We could have, I mean, if, ah, he's on Brew Dog Dead Pony Club. Ah, that's pretty good. I remember for, um, I think it was Christmas, this, pa this past Christmas, Fran got us all, um, Brew Dog Advent calendars. And that was one of the most fun things to do for the whole month of December. We just open up every day and get a different brew dog flavor. It was it was so much fun. Fantastic. Oh, it was great. I don't even had that before. Is that, uh, I that think that's good. their session drinking one, if I remember. Is it? I think it's so. Good. Yeah, it's, it tastes, it's, it's, it's very similar to Punk IPA. Yeah. Maybe a bit lighter, so maybe it is a session mm. one, but yeah, it's that is nice. Yeah. Right, so yeah, it says it says saddle up for session. Ah, I thought so. I thought it was the green one. Yeah, so yeah. I guess it's a kind of a session version, slightly slightly weaker version of Punk yeah, IPA. Yeah. Because yeah. it does taste like Punk IPA, but yeah, it tastes a bit a little bit lighter. Well, I think I could get on with that. <laughs> mm. Good. Good, I would I would hope so. And then I'm drinking well. uh I'm drinking old Mount Cider. It's uh oh, yeah. strawberry and pomegranate. I don't usually drink a lot of cider, but this is a. Uh, it's quite nice. It's not too sweet. It's got a nice flavour. I can get on with it on a sunny day. It's quite nice. Excellent. Okay. Right. So, Dad, it's been, it's been quite a while since we've done any podcasting. And this is our first ever foray into the video version, which is amazing. For those who can now actually see us, this is what we look like. We are not catfishing you. We're real. We're very real. And we look exactly like our pictures. <laughs> and uh, the reason we got together is because... We both have a love for a very incredible film, which has had a really, really good sequel. I think it was, what, a good 40 years, almost. 40 yeah. years it took. Obviously, they weren't working on it the whole time, but, you know. What we're talking about today is The Shining and Doctor Sleep. Oh, man. Fantastic stuff. I mean, we had, um, I think we got to start by just jumping into The Shining with, um, it was uh, Stanley Kubrick, isn't it? Or is that the is he the one who wrote the book, or is he the one who made the movie? Stephen King wrote the book. That's right. Can't believe and, I completely, uh, I've just completely blanked that. <laughs> Stephen and, King. and Stephen King actually wrote he wrote both books, so he wrote that's the book right. that Doctor Sleep is based on as well. Yeah, that's why it is um, officially the sequel. That's right. Stanley Kubrick um, directed the first movie, The Shining, and uh, well, so lots to say about Stanley Kubrick just right there. Um, but we'll we'll pack it for the moment. But for me personally, Stanley Kubrick is he's definitely um, I've got two favorite directors probably, and he's one of the two. Well, the other one will be Alfred Hitchcock, and oh, they both yeah. got both got different Very styles. Distinct styles, yeah, yeah. They both got different styles, but got, they both make fantastically entertaining movies. Alfred Hitchcock more of what we, what they call an auto director, kind of a, very much a storytelling, uh, pretty straightforward uh, movies fills and spills just work really well packaged and following a straightforward path whereas Kubrick is is much more complex again good, good storytelling stuff but there's there's a lot more kind of packed in there tends to be a lot more packed into his films and The Shining is a classic example definitely uh, of that we may we may get time to talk about some of the other examples but but obviously well, I, think me, so. the Shining. I think I think to help uh, to help out what other do you know any other films off the top of your head that Stanley Kubrick has made just to help kind of paint a picture for those who might absolutely. not have seen it absolutely so I mean probably apart from The Shining probably his most famous film would be um, Space 2000 uh, 2001 Space yeah. what is, it? is that it's space? a Space Odyssey isn't it Space Odyssey yeah 2001 yeah. sorry Space Odyssey yeah, yeah. oh that, bit, I definitely can see parallels there. I can definitely see that style absolutely 
And again, wow. one of the all-time best ever films, and, and which has aged extremely well. 1968, that was made. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you if you've not seen that, if you have seen that, you'll you'll kind of you'll get where we're going, where we're coming from, because it's uh, just an incredible you know, piece. Yeah, of, I, 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 I never even connected those dots, but no, that that I could definitely definitely see that now. That's that's yeah, he he just has that that style down to a T, but it is it's just so so gripping the whole time oh wow that's that's great yeah and again like and again so so much so much packed in there and so much so many references and it's it's a it's seemingly straightforward story but there's lots and lots and lots you can you can kind of deeply dive into so he, he made that that particular film um combined with um in terms of writing it combined with the classic sci-fi author arthur c Clarke. um they, they kind of did that as a collaboration and and you know in terms of the writing of it and then it was uh, you know Kubrick turned it into the classic that it is today. He also, I mean, Stanley Kubrick also made uh, Doctor Strangelove, or how I was it how I got used to how I Doctor Strangelove, or <laughs> I'll get the sub, the subtitle for you in a second. But <laughs> so Doctor Strangelove equally just kind of an incredible um, groundbreaking film from the nineteen sixties. This time a comedy, a spoof. A political satire, hmm. um, which uh, Peter Sellers, of course, made some incredible performances, and that was in 1964. Uh, yeah, how I learned to stop worrying and, and worrying and love the bomb. In fact, that 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 was meaningful back in the 60s. That that particular statement, and it, it hasn't been meaningful for a long time until this year, when we're all starting to worry about the bomb again. <laughs> thanks to uh, thanks to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Yeah. True, that's a. <laughs> it's a way but to then, tie it together, yeah. I suppose. <laughs> and then, and then, you know, going back even further, there's films which are probably less less well known, but still absolute classics of their genre. Uh, Paths of Glory, which was a which was a, a movie um, about the First World War, about futility of war, really. Uh, so, and Kubrick has he's dabbled in various uh, genres, as you as you'll see. Another one um, that you, everybody will know about, I'm sure, everybody's heard of, uh, sci-fi. Again, just 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 a groundbreaking sci-fi clockwork orange was was that was kubrick again yeah yeah um, so you Very know profound. the list goes on he has he just hasn't made i think what was it uh full metal jacket i think i think full metal jacket i think that's his as well uh in terms of another war movie which is a classic vietnam war movie he, he just he really hasn't made a bad film even his kind of closest to being turkeys i mean with still brilliant films in their own right. Um, just, just an incredible director. And not, I mean, his films are very entertaining, very interesting, very gripping, uh, full, full of kind of um, messages and deep references, and which we'll talk about today. Some of the things, certainly from the example of The Shining, but but just entertaining as well. You know, just just he hasn't really made a doozy. His last film was Eyes Wide Shut, um, which some people would find a little bit peculiar but again it's it's very much it's it's got all the Kubrick uh, elements to it I was going to say in terms of an example of some might consider it Turkey but it's still a brilliant film really if you look at it a classic war epic was Barry Lyndon um, and then um, <clears throat> I mean I, I haven't even talked about a film which as soon as I mentioned these film names I mean most people will know straight away Lolita uh, absolute classic movie based on a classic novel Spartacus, come on! Mm. The original Kirk Douglas Spartacus. I mean, oh, who hasn't okay. yeah. heard of Spartacus or yeah. seen it? I mean, this this is this is a man 
this is a director who you just I think just about everything that comes out of him or has come out is dead now of course everything that's come out of him has just been an instant classic and and for good reason and he's a, he's a, he's a director who's paid very close attention uh, to every every detail and this is where it's something he, he, he does have in common with Alfred Hitchcock with every detail uh, of the of the whole film and he, he just makes sure it's just actual cram packed with quality in, in every area from cinematography to storytelling you know to the acting the effort the effort and the energy puts into it um well it just tells so anyway that's to give you some background to Stanley Kubrick that's um, wow that that really helped paint a, a fantastic picture I mean because yeah I, I know I know quite a few of those films I don't know all of them sadly but um but just based on the ones that I do know it's yeah it's it's quite interesting to see that his style although obviously depending on the kind of genre he was making it still does have his touch where he's like okay we have to make sure they understand this stuff is going on we have to you know this has to be profound this has to be this this has to be that and um i think it's a great segue for us to actually jump into discussing the shining so um i think first off we have to just immediately commend jack nicholson's performance because i mean you see this man go from like you know the most suave calm very collected you know willing to kind of do whatever he has to do man who's a, who's also a, a husband and a, a father who he was a um he was a teacher if i remember right and they don't really tell you that he's a recovering alcoholic but you kind of you, you kind of get the sense that he's, he's he's got a little bit of alcoholism in him it's, it's it, it doesn't feel like it's dangerous but apparently that's that's the thing i didn't i didn't really notice but you know whatever and um and you see him just kind of it's 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 amazing because in, in films these days whenever anybody goes kind of like deranged it's it's usually much snappier it's much quicker you kind of might see the 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 notions the little hints and signs but it's more of like a, a quick instant you know like this character completely changes in a day whereas over over the course of the film of the shining you see jack nicholson's just demeanor completely change and it's, it's very gradual it's not like one day he's just suddenly like i'm gonna kill everybody but like, there's all these hints and signs and things like these, these little giveaways, and it doesn't fully click in your head that okay, he might actually hurt somebody, he might try to kill somebody. It just kind of, oh, it just it just builds and builds and pulls you in, and the way he performs, it just staggeringly incredible to watch. This man, he's just oh, he he just carries the performance incredibly well. He does, he does. Again, superb actor. Um... In in pretty much everything you can see him in, um, but he, uh, I totally agree. And the, the interesting thing, uh, what he's saying about the fact that, that the story of the of the Jack, of the Jack Torrance character that Jack uh, Nicholson plays is that he just it's just a really slow, steady, gradual kind of <coughs> breaking down, unraveling of yeah. this of this human being. And I think that that's the I think that's the basis of the original Stephen King book. Stephen King wanted to write about. That I mean, I think that's the, that's the key thing you want about the about the unraveling of a, of a human being, of a human mind, and and a very very slow slow disintegration. And I think the part of what was going on with him when he wrote it was that um, I think he was going through some pretty messy stuff in his life at that time. I think he was going through a divorce, separate or at least a separation from his wife. He took himself off to uh, the Stanley Hotel, which is what um, in in, um, in in Colorado near Denver, Colorado. Um, to to kind of isolate himself um, from from the world and kind of sit down and write his opus a little bit like the Jack Torrance character except he was on his own 
in in that you know, not not in the hotel, but in, you know in in the in, not apart from his away from his family and things like that. And I think it was very much a reflection. He wanted to kind of, I suppose, he wanted to kind of dive into his own sense of everything in his life, unraveling right, right about that. Um, the interesting thing, uh, apart from the fact the Stanley Hotel, which is based on, and we can talk about that as a segue, all kinds of things we can talk about that, is is that he, he absolutely hated the uh, the movie. He really hated um, Stanley Kubrick's the, um, portrayal. Of the film is his, his representation of the film because because basically Stanley Kubrick Kubrick took it and made it his own. He put his own stamp on it. He did he did massively massively in, in certain areas, kind of not change it, but he kind of you know he, he took it in his own direction. He he, he changed certain aspects to it, uh, which just Stephen King really didn't like. And if you read any other Stephen King story, you'll know that Stephen King does things in a very very slow pace. I'm not a big fan, especially of that really slow pace in. In movies like it, you know, stories like it and and um, and Rose Red, you know, mm. where the thing is just go so slow. He takes he's so pondering over over how he gradually and and I think that that's a key thing that that Kubrick took away from it. We remove that pondering pace, you still get the sense as as, as Nathan's saying uh, that that it's this kind of a slow, steady uh, dissolution of the of the Torrance character. You still get that sense of it. it's not it's not a rapid thing it's a gradual thing but it doesn't have to take you know we don't have to have two uh, volumes at two hours long before we actually get there which is the thing that annoys me mostly about Stephen King stuff uh, and, and so I, I'm kind of on the on the Kubrick side I'm a Kubrick fan not I'm, I like some of King stuff but I'm not a massive King fan so uh, I've got to say Nathan I've got I've just discovered that I've, I've got a there's a limitation on this this thing it only goes for 40 minutes and we've only got five minutes of those left on this Zoom otherwise I have to upgrade. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I think it's okay because um, we can we can end this one and start another yeah. one, can't we? And just yeah. do it again. Well, yeah, we can give, give it a shot. Yeah, definitely. Talking about the pacing, we talked about the fact that mm. I did want to talk on the fact that Stephen King really hated this version of Shining, but I, yeah. I kind of brought up, I popped that in there. Um, and yeah, it's and also um, it also like in classic film fashion differs from the book, but not like fully. But there's definitely yeah. quite a few because uh, because I remember I remember hearing about this um, online. As you do most days, uh, somebody was like, "Oh well, the uh, the end of the book, The Shining, Jack um, instead of Jack going deranged and getting lost in the uh, the frozen hedge maze and everything, he um, something kind of snaps in him and he um, he's like he was neglecting the boiler and it kind of just kept kicking over and it was just like too much and it it basically blew up and burnt the whole place down, right. which then changes in um, in Doctor Sleep because obviously like. In the in the film Doctor Sleep, they do go back to the hotel, but apparently in, in the Doctor Sleep book, it's it's more reference, but they don't really do a lot with it. Whereas in like yeah. the film Doctor Sleep, it's it's a it's quite a quite a crucial element to the um, to the actual story, which is Absolutely. great. Yeah, but we'll 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 get to the Doctor Sleep stuff later on. But I thought that was quite interesting, uh, you know. And and then uh, another another thing I didn't know was um, apparently the the hedge maze in the film is very important. In the book, not so important, but it, it's it's because um, in the in the film, the the whole idea of the horror aspect of this is it's it's psychological. It's even though there are like the ghosts and everything, it's not so much about the ghostly aspect, which was more important in the book. That was kind of the big point. Was like the place was haunted. That's what's driven people crazy. That's what's made all this stuff happen. In uh, in the film. It's more about like the the psychological cabin fever, and then all the different problems that happen, and the ghosts just add on to it. But uh, but apparently, 
uh, they were topiary animals, like, you know, hedge animals that were cut out, and those came to life in the book, which mm. does not happen at all in the film. Not even referenced that they're just no topiary animals at all, which is just quite interesting to see that's that's so different because apparently they attacked the the people at one point. And it's like, well, you think that could be that could have been in the film, but it, it just wasn't wasn't even remotely referenced or anything. So another no. interesting difference. Well, I mean, this is so this is these are the things that Stephen King disliked about the film is, is mm. that it's not too much change. change. Yeah. And and he, he did, and Stanley Kubrick didn't apologize for that at all, and he did take it. He took it the direction he wanted to take it. It wasn't a di- it wasn't meant to be a direct, you know, book to film. You yeah. know, the, he very much used the, the book as a reference <laughs> for, for something he wanted to, you know, a message he wanted to say. And if and if you if you want to take a look at what did he want to say, what was Stanley Kubrick t- trying to say in this film? There's, there are many, many, many different views on this, and and they're, and they're all published views. And you can see, you know, you can go on YouTube and you can find all kinds of videos. But in particular, uh, what I'd strongly recommend is a movie called a documentary movie called room 237 which mm. talks about which presents at least six i think at least five or six different um opinions about what the shining was really about what the deeper the, the movie what the deeper message was about and it could be anything from the nazis to the annihilation of the native indian population you know, to, there's there's any number to the moon landing, the fake moon landings. It's it's about they'll, they'll give you all kinds of views and some seemingly wacky views, but very some compelling of them. Some of them. arguments uh-huh. and examples. So so strongly recommend. Uh, and let me try this opportunity to. I, mean, you, I don't know if you give me permission to share screen, but I'll show you. I'll show you a quick. A I, quick can, uh, I can if it pops up. It's fine. I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna just show you the the movie itself. That I recommend the, the documentary. I think it's freely available these days on um, Room Two Three Seven. Yeah, on on, on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, probably Room is. That's the movie right there. I'll get the share screen thing. It lets me. Uh, or maybe you have to do it. I don't know. I'll, I'll try it. Yeah. Oh, right, you know, you've disabled. It. You've got to go. You've got to go right click on share screen. And you've got to give me permission. You've got to allow all participants to share their screen. You see that? I think so. Uh, yep, try it now. Right, and this is a documentary. This one right here. Room 237. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, great. Very, very interesting documentary. I mean, you're gonna, you don't have to watch that film, that documentary to see, to read any of the wacky interpretations of different aspects of the film or the whole film entirely. You just go on YouTube and, and just put what does the shining mean? And it, it, there's, there's dozens upon dozens and there's some really, really fascinating, interesting, you know, some of them clearly conspiracy theories, but, but interesting interpretations of what, what goes on and answering some of the questions. The interesting thing about Kubrick is, he leaves you guessing on certain things. He puts some really interesting things, and definitely a lot of them in this movie. A lot of things where you go, oh, wait a minute, what, what's that all about? Like the ending of the movie, for example, where where they can't, where they focus, and I don't want to shit, this is a spoiler alert for anybody who's not seen it yet. Um, I expect most people watching or listening to this would have seen it. But at the end, know, yeah. There's a, there's a zooming in on the at the hotel and there's a photograph on the wall of the hotel. Yeah. And right at the end, there's a zooming into the to the a, a photograph from the 
yeah. Yeah, from six years earlier. And he is, uh, and in amongst the crowd right at the front is, is Jack Torrance. Is Jack Torrance, which just, yeah, brilliant. And that's one of many parts in the film where, wow, what the, what the heck? It's just <laughs> one of those things that makes you think and you're like, well, hang on a minute. And, it's, and that's the beauty of, of a Kubrick film. It just, it's always making you think and think and think. And it, it doesn't fully tell you, but it's like, oh, the pieces are here. If you want to kind of, you could come yeah. up with your own ideas, but that's where it yeah. leaves you, which is, which is, I mean, it's, it's a great way to end it, especially because, um, I think we also have to mention how Room 237 is uh, significant, not just because it is also a, um, a documentary, as my dad was saying, but um, also in the film, the hotel where Jack is um, is caretaking over the winter is the Overlook Hotel, and one of the rooms they're not supposed to go into is Room 237, and that's because a, um, I think it was uh, either a family was murdered there or some some negative thing happened there. If I remember correctly in the film, there's a, there's a lady who, who basically drowns in the bathtub in that room. And so they've like locked it off and stuff because like, like that room's real bad. You just, you don't want to go in there kind of stuff. So that's, that's interesting that they decided to name the documentary after the taboo room. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and that's... And that's actually it's quite, which reminds me of the scene early in the in the film, where where we're starting to find out about well, what The Shining is, and mm. about uh, Danny, the boy Danny's special um, Jack's son, special yep. talent, Jack's son, yeah, and about the uh, the cook, uh, who is who's who starts to, you know, tele telepathically communicate with him, and then they, they have this conversation where they're discussing The Shining and where, what it's all about and this this ability to be telepathic and see things have visions of the future and, and other yeah. things and uh and in that he's saying you know then he goes what's so special about room 237 and the cook says nothing nothing special about room 237 but you don't have any any you know right to go in there you've got no need to go in there so yeah. you just stay just clear. Don't. <laughs> yeah don't go there so that that's kind of the sense that that's where you get the sense that okay there's something special about this particular room exactly and, um so. it's been reinforced of course danny you know doesn't heed the warning. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. And that, and that was another Stephen King, um, one of his little foil. It's so many little things niggles he has with this film, but one of them is that I think even that that it, it wasn't there was a room there was a special room in the book, but it wasn't two three seven. It was the added the number. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> oh wow, that's that's silly. Just to even change a room number, but um, mm. but I, I guess to give everybody a quick rundown in case they they've either forgotten or they just kind of want a quick little idea of what, what's going on in the film so it, it follows mainly Jack Torrance and his family his wife uh, Wendy his son Danny who has the the interesting talent if you will called The Shining he didn't know what it was called but you can like hear voices he's got like a, a special friend but quite frankly I, I, don't, I don't know if there's anything to the friend it, he calls him Tony and he, he uses his finger to to voice him don't know if that has anything to do with The Shining that could just be an imaginary friend kind of thing but uh but but Jack gets a job at the Overlook Hotel over the course of the winter to basically take care of the hotel. He moves him and his family in, and uh, basically they're like, oh, okay, well, you know, we have had a caretaker go through cabin fever, lose his mind. He hacked up his family in this hotel. So, so, so you've got, like, kind of a negative spin on it to start with, but it's like, oh, but you, you'll be fine, you know, just just, just do the work. You can write your book, because he's a he's an author who's who's like, oh, this, this job sounds perfect. I, I basically have all this time to, to write my book, and carry on doing the stuff I wanted to do still with my family and everything and uh, yeah basically over the period of time you see events unfold you see like um, different ghost patrons that used to uh, live and work at the hotel or were killed in the hotel like there's the uh, the twin girls they're quite an interesting one they're the um, 
They're the daughters of the original caretaker who hacked up his family, which is quite... I, I, I didn't realise that until I rewatched it, which was quite something, because I was like, oh, I know there's a bunch of ghosty people, but, you know, oh, they might have just died because of whatever. But it was nice to see kind of some connections being made. I think his name was um, Grady. And then um, later on at one point, when Jack's really starting to lose it, and he's kind of getting more meddling with the ghostly stuff going on, there's a, there's a big old party in this grand empty room that's... Well, empty, but it's, it's full of the ghosts all doing a party and stuff. And one of the waiters bumps into him, spills Advocat on him, takes him into the toilet, cleans him up. And he's like, oh, that's, that's very kind of you. What's your what's your name? And he goes, oh, it's uh, it's Grady. And he's like, Grady? He's like, you, you, were, the, you were the caretaker here. And he goes, no, I, no, I've, I've always just, I've always just been a waiter. I've never, never taken care of the place. And he goes, yeah, yeah, you were the caretaker before me. You, you went crazy and you killed your family. And, and. The ghost guy's like, yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about, Jack. You, you're losing your mind kind of stuff. And eventually he's like, you know, your son is, uh, your son's trying to interfere with the way things are here. You need to do something about that. Which you can see kind of weirdly, you know, anybody would be like, what are you talking about? That's crazy. But for Jack, he's like, huh, I should really give that some thought. So that was one of the, one of the interesting turning points I saw for me was uh, the fact that the guy who previously killed his family went nuts at the place who was caretaking is now convincing Jack to essentially do the same. And Jack's not fighting it. He's kind of like, I'll think about it. It's just quite interesting to see that. Well, I mean, what's interesting on that is that, and you may not have picked up on, is the fact that, um, and I didn't pick up on the sort of the first few times I watched this film, is that uh, in that scene, and I'm going to play that scene for you in a minute, if that's okay. Yeah. And in that, in that scene, um, He's uh, the, the the guy that's the, the, you know the uh, the, uh, the waiter uh, accuses him of um, no he he's, he accuses the waiter of being the guy that did the murder. So okay, yeah. the, the key about this is, and he, and you've got to be you've obviously got to pay attention because like I said I missed it two or three times myself before realizing when when Jack learns about the murder of the family and all the rest of it, the guy that the previous caretaker who murdered his family. That's at the start of the film, mm. and at the start of the film. He hear what you what you got to realize is that he's told the guy the guy's name was Charles Grady. The, the waiter gives his name as being Delbert Grady. Ah. And, and of course, all Torrance is is Jack Torrance is, is the Grady. It's the bit Grady bit. Yeah. Wow. So you're the caretaker that killed, and he went, No, I'm I'm pretty sure that's not the case. Although, although there's clues obviously after that, whereby the guy gives away that clearly is the case, because he was saying, you know, I my my family misbehaved my wife didn't listen to me and my daughter so i corrected them so mm. so he clearly you know there's kind of reference there to the fact that he is but if i let me play this if i could i'll just play a quick clip so we can see that scene what it looks like yeah i've got to share my screen i'm gonna sec one second hold on a second this might be All interesting right. we can do this <laughs> oh. um if we can do this if it lets me Let's see if it lets us do this in here. There is no sound. Can you hear it? No. He says no sound. Correct. Oh, that's annoying. I think it's because you can hear it, but we cannot. I wonder why that is. Let's see if we can figure that out. One sec. 
Yeah, you would have thought with share my screen, you could still hear everything. Yeah, you thought it was audio. Is there anything? Just... Yeah, I could just use the sharing stuff. I can't do anything with that sound. I think. See if I can do something on the sound side. Let's me share share sound. Right, try this. Delbert Grady. Yep, that's done it. Good timing. <laughs> now he's figuring out Grady. I've heard that name. It's Grady. <clears throat> Haven't I seen you somewhere before? What is that? I don't believe so. It's coming off now, sir. Miss uh, <clears throat> Grady, weren't you once the caretaker here? Fine, no, sir. I don't believe so. You, uh, married man, are you, Mr. Grady? Yes, sir. Hmm? I have a wife and uh, two daughters, sir. Hmm? And, uh, where are they now? Oh, they're somewhere around. I'm not quite sure at the moment, sir. So we have a wife and two daughters. Mr. Grady, you were the caretaker here. I recognize you. I saw your picture in the newspapers. You, uh, chopped your wife and daughter up into little bits. And, uh, then you blew your brains out. So you can get the widget, sir. That's strange, sir. I don't have any recollection of that at all. Mr. Grady, you were the caretaker here. I'm sorry to differ with you, sir. But you are the caretaker. You've always been the caretaker. I should know, sir. <laughs> I've <laughs> always been here. <laughs> so, so that that is interesting because, in in a way, because we talked about the photograph thing earlier. Mm. And uh, when he says, if he says he's insisting that no, you've always been the caretaker, well, that would kind of answer the question. Uh, to some extent, about the 1921 picture, because if he's sure. always been the caretaker, or somebody that looks like him has always been the caretaker, then then that that might be why. But it could be so, like a um, like a weird, almost Groundhog Day situation. Yeah, you know wh whether it be a person who always looks like Jack, or whether it be it's it's like just some weird uh, purgatory kind of cycle, maybe that's always going on or something. Yeah, that's that's quite an interesting yeah. theory. Because if anything, it's true when you when you remember the uh, the picture at the end. Where it's it's Jack in nineteen twenty one, he does look yeah. younger and his like his hair is like nicer. It doesn't look like it it did in the, in the regular film where you saw there he's got kind of a bit of frazzly hair if you were where where in the picture it's very clean it's cut but he looks he looks younger so that 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 stands out that makes a lot of sense. But then I mean forty years I mean 
because he doesn't he's not very old in the film or anything he's he's got a young kid and everything his wife doesn't look like she's over 50 i don't know it's so the, the, there's certainly a lot of questions about this you know but i think that's what makes it just all the more all the more amazing to think I mean, about yeah absolutely absolutely and again that's so again it's, this is what this is what i love about kubrick is that and then he leaves you with you know just with loads more questions than yeah. you had to begin with which is and just the, nice it's great puzzling ones and they're like mysteries and kind of you kind of brain you kind of get, keep your brain going on it and, yeah yeah and then of you want to go back and watch it again and again and again and again <laughs> and see if you pick up on anything anything new or different and that's why i'm glad i got to rewatch it this morning and because i mean yeah i remember when um well i remember bits and pieces when i first watched it way way back in the states i mean i was i was still like a teenager so a lot of it I, I didn't fully capture a lot of it didn't make a lot of sense to me back then i just like the fact that it was like there were there were plenty of horrifying scenes i mean you've got the the classic uh elevator opens up and there's blood just gushing out you've got the the creepy twins and everything the, the occasional like decayed bodies and stuff and then uh, obviously him chasing everybody with the axe like you know that was like whoa horror amazing but but the fact there's so much more psychological things going on the story is incredibly strange and bizarre and and you think it's about ghosts and everything, but it's like, but there's also the shining thing. That didn't really click in my head way back then. The whole like telepathic thing, there's a, there's a power to it. There's like, maybe that's why he's more sensitive to what's going on and everything. And even though the others, because they're in the hotel, can see these ghosts, in normal life they wouldn't. But Danny would, because he's got that gift. Which is probably yeah. another reason why they kind of go a little, well, Jack goes a lot more hysterical with it. Because he's like, oh, you know losing his mind whereas danny he's like well yeah i can see them i've seen the you know dead people and stuff before it is weird but it's you know something he's gotten used to but for jack who's a, who's a man you know he's, he's he's lived a life at this point he's not like old but you know it's it's a completely new and crazy concept to him while everything else is going on he's getting the cabin fever he's he started drinking again and stuff it just you know it's just compounding that the madness that's going on for him and uh, you know it, it makes a lot of sense as to why he snapped when you think yeah. about it like that yeah absolutely absolutely are you talking about um the uh some of the like the scenes some of the horrific scenes if you want mm. uh, or the horror scenes where these uh ghosts appear especially to danny and it's a particular a, a recurring one is that is one of the, the sisters the young girls yeah clearly the the daughters of uh, of charles grady or delbert grady <laughs> mm. whoever right um uh, who got chopped up in little bits and they uh but what's what's one of the other things about um this film another great classic film is the fact that you know you can tell that it's loved by other filmmakers and other kind of creative types like other artists people who make things because they will um reference things like that so for example the scene with the with the the, the daughters has been uh, has been well, obviously it's been referenced and, and copied, referenced, parodied, and, and, everything, and parodied yeah. and homage homage paid to it, absolutely. Uh, such as with the League of Gentlemen, um, when he got the um, if you've watched the League of Gentlemen TV series, when he got the the little the little girls little daughters, um, who do a very similar sort of thing. They kind of show up randomly um and and just in a very creepy way and and they kind of scare i think it's benjamin the character benjamin because they're just like just around every corner and just suddenly pop up and they and the actors kind of stood together in a similar sort of talking in a similar way to what they do when uh 
in the, the system's doing the shining. And I think the interesting thing, I know it's, I think it has been referenced a lot and everybody will recognize that. Anybody that knows it really well will recognize that. But the interesting thing is that Kubrick himself, um, obviously another, a, a massive, massive movie fan. Uh, and, and he himself made, and it, this is something I always like with, uh, with films as well. And any film or film director who does this a lot, he makes reference to other classic films. Uh, through history and, and I didn't realize this until until probably the last decade or so and I, I kind of learned it and I found this fascinating is that there's a there's a very classic scene in The Shining where towards the end where Jack is breaking into the bathroom he's got his axe as he's saying mm. that's one of the horror scenes where he's smashing the door down and you're thinking and that, and that, scene, that scene is iconic to the film so most times you see posters or clips in the film it's often the picture of Jack Nicholson's head poking through the smashed the door. up door, Here's Johnny. door yeah yeah exactly but that that film is that that scene and that idea was not original. It's not original uh, Kubrick idea, even though for most people they consider that to be you know synonymous with the man. He actually he's actually referencing a film a hundred years ago uh, called The Phantom Carriage in that in that film, uh, where that exact same thing happens, where where a, 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 a husband actually who, yeah his wife is getting kind of scared of she locks him in the bathroom, so he's coming the opposite way around. She locks him in the bathroom. <laughs> And he, he breaks his way out. He finds something like a, he finds an axe. I don't know how much he's finding an axe in the bathroom. Maybe he took it in with him. I don't know. But he, he, he finds so he kind of an axe. I mean, who knows what was going on 100 years prior? <laughs> the, the tension building up as he, as he smashes that door. And that's a silent movie. But, it, but if, it's also that film, um, which clearly Kubrick loved, is a film which has been referenced a heck of a lot in all kinds of other movies and TV series. TV program. So I just recommend if you if you don't if you've never been really into silent films or not not really dabbled with them or are you thinking right let's have a look at something that might appeal to me and if you're into horror if you like The Shining it's worth having a look at the Phantom Carriage. It's on YouTube and it was made in 1921. It's a Swedish film uh, and and I, I, I when I discovered that that there the were references in The Shining to that film I went and took a look at it and I I've got to tell you. It's, it's a good film. It's got some great references. It's got uh, and there's elements which were stolen later by you know the Scrooge movies and stuff like that. The elements of that film have been used a lot. It, it's a it's a ghostly film. It's a brilliant ghost movie from 1921. It's a Phantom Carriage. So that's that's one example of, of I mean Kubrick's reference and he's stolen from all kinds of things in in his movies. But that's I think that's a really interesting example. So that's that. quite interesting. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of people who never knew that. So that's I certainly didn't. That's that's great. That's incredible. Phantom Carriage, nineteen twenty one. There you go. A film recommendation yeah. for you. <laughs> it's, and it's freely available on YouTube. So yeah, even better. Free movie night, nineteen twenty one. That's yeah. crazy. Crazy cool. I'm trying to think what else we could talk about when it comes to The Shining, because I, I, th I think we've we've mostly mentioned kind of what happens. I mean, obviously uh, Jack. Yeah, you know, begins to lose his mind and everything. There's even the, uh, the 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 great scene where um, uh, Wendy's basically quite quite in fear of everything that's going on, especially with his demeanor changing and um, and uh, their son Danny gets kind of strangled at one point. He, he, it's off camera; you don't see it happen. But uh, but he comes in with these strangle marks on his neck, and she believes it was um, it was Jack who had done it because it's like there's only the three of us in the hotel. It had to have been one of us. Daddy wouldn't have done it to himself. It had to have been Jack, kind of thing. And uh, she confronts him, saying like, "Oh, it's you know." You did this to him and blah blah blah, but um, but but she he, he's not he's not where he's typically typing at the moment, and she she goes over and he's got the stack of papers, the things he has been writing, and all it says on every single piece is it's in like different styles and everything, so it looks like he's been writing a proper book, but all it says 
is all work and no play make Jack a dull boy. Just pages and pages and pages of just paragraphs, sentences, all all the same thing. It's it's just like, and it's like okay, you can really see he's really starting to lose his mind. And it is it is a drawn out scene because she literally like flips through pages, 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 pages. And look at the typewriter, pages, pages, pages. And it's, it's longer and it's drawn out, and you're like, ah, okay, okay, we get it. He's losing his mind. But eventually he shows up. They have their little squabble back and forth. She's quite scared of him because he's really starting to kind of lose it. And she's got her bat. She's ready to like hit him and stuff because she's like, okay, look, he's he's clearly off his rocker. Everything's going crazy. I don't know if he's going to hurt us and stuff. And he even he ends up saying, in that confrontation, as he's kind of slowly chasing her up the stairs, you know, like I'm not going to hurt you. I'm just going to bash your brains in. And it's like it's like okay, that's yeah. He's he's definitely we know his intentions now. And she she ends up clocking him with the bat, which is great. Locks him in the uh, the food the food walk in and stuff. And it's just. You're seeing all this stuff just go on, and it's it's just incredible. And then, um, then she's like, "Okay," even though he's like locked away and stuff, he regains consciousness, and he's like, "Ah, oh, you gotta let me out." And she's like, "No, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the snow cat. I'm gonna take our son. I'm gonna get us out of here. This is all just too much. You know, this is crazy. You need a doctor. Blah blah blah. Try, trying to make sense, but still, everything's like just insane. But they're stuck in the middle of a snow blizzard, so it's like you have very little choice of what's going on. And uh, and and Jack's just like, "You can't, you can't check the snow cat. You can't leave." And it's because he's already sabotaged. The only way they can get out. And you, that's another thing you don't see on camera. But it's just like, it's amazing that all these little things are going on. And it's like, look, we, we made sure you can't do this. We made sure you can't do that. It's just, it's so cool. But because of the very like early part of the film, when um, when Danny learns about The Shining and what it means, and he's, he's shining with the um, with the older man, Dick. Because uh, now they have like a strange connection, I guess that's how The Shining kind of works as one of the one of the abilities we get more in depth in dr sleep about how all that works but um but dick is kind of still in kind of communication with danny and he's he's a bit aware of what's going on at the hotel he um ends up making his way out to the hotel in order to kind of like save them get them out of there and stuff like that so it's uh, it's just it's just it's just incredible the whole thing the whole i mean you you get a whole whole rundown of how dick you know he gets on a plane he takes a car he, he gets a snoke out of his own gets his way all the way up to the hotel and it's, it's just it's just incredible it's just absolutely incredible and then it all ends up with a with something shocking which again if you've not seen it we've, we've pretty much taken it apart but you know we won't spoil what about <laughs> yeah we're gonna spoil everything for you no <laughs> you, have to, you have to do some of the work yourself you know i mean come on if, if you haven't seen the shining by now what are you doing yeah what yeah, you, you definitely you need to be watching it. If you listen listen to this podcast or watching this podcast and you haven't seen The Shining, you know you're going to need to go and see The Shining after you this. You need to. You need and, to. And if you like horrors, if you like psychological horrors, thrillers, anything like that, if you yeah. like Stephen King at all. Yeah, I mean, or Stanley Kubrick. Yeah, honestly. This is a, yeah, and if you like Stanley Kubrick, there's, no, there's absolutely no excuse for not having seen you, Yeah, you have um, to see it. You have to yeah. see it. And if you've seen it already, <laughs> see it again. Just, just for yeah. good measure, because... Because, like I said, I'm glad I rewatched it. Because there were so many more things I picked up on this time. Because I didn't even realize the whole Shining thing was such a big deal. And I knew it was, like, the name of the, the film and everything. And I knew it was based on a book. But I didn't quite understand just how relevant it was. And then it's even more important in the follow-up film, Doctor Sleep. I mean, it's, it really gets fleshed out a whole lot more. There's more to the whole power aspect of it. and everything. It's just... It's it's worth a rewatch. Because, uh-oh, our meeting will end in ten minutes... Oh, well, we've been talking a lot, haven't we? I mean, it's it's just what we do, but that's that's part of the fun. Yeah. I mean, like we said, this yeah. is 
such a monumental film. It's it, it, it just it it deserves it. It absolutely deserves it. And one one last thing before we we switch to and talk a little bit more about now about Doctor Sleep and we we venture into that particular mm. movie and some of the connections between the two. One last thing to say about Shelley Duvall's performance because as you mentioned there, she was getting to kind of freaking out when she especially when she totally gets the idea and she realizes because she doesn't want to believe she thinks that Jack must have must have attacked. Danny, but she doesn't really fully want to believe it until she sees the, mm. the, the, the pieces of paper as you've seen, and then she starts to realise this guy is a psycho. He's, yeah. he's gone over he's the top. He's totally lost it. Her performance, so Charlie Duvall's performance as the character, Wendy, uh, is, is, again, it's mesmerising. It it's is. kind of all, it's over... Okay, it's, always, it's always overplayed by, you know, because Jack Nicholson was played such a great part, and he always gets... He always does, and he always gets all plaudits, but <clears throat> Charlie Duvall... Uh, the, the way she captures the, the kind of sheer terror of the situation, absolute, she does it extremely well. And part of the reason for that, she's a brilliant actress, of course, and she's, I've seen it in other things as well, where she's performed extremely well. Uh, but, but in this particular movie, um, Stanley Kubrick, director in a certain way, quite a, a nasty way, really, because he was particularly mean to her and deliberately kept her on edge throughout filming certain uh, certainly through certain in order to capture parts, the authentic feel i see he gave her he gave her a really really hard time he, he treated her really badly it made her feel like she was not performing very well on purpose because he wanted to keep her on edge he wanted to create that he wanted to create that, that tension emotion within her mm. and, and bring that out of her much more <sighs> terrible and, uh, i mean it really you really get it it is it is and it's also something something else that's in common between kubrick and hitchcock because hitchcock is known for doing that with his, especially with his female leads, and in particular with Tippy Hendren in the birds, in Hendren in the birds, where where on purpose, you know, just deliberately, probably for different reasons in Hitchcock's case, more perverted, but he, he wanted to, you know, he really wanted to make her suffer, um, and he did on purpose. Uh, you know, for him, he'd say his excuse was to draw out the real kind of tension and the terror. Mm. But really, I think he was getting a bit of a kick out of it. Whereas Kubrick, <laughs> I don't think he was getting a kick out of it. I think he really, really felt that the best way he could get um, this sheer sheer uh, sense of complete you know distress on the part of the female lead is, is by making her putting her in that situation where she felt just generally felt it so you know that, mm. and that added to her performance so i think um i think we'll kind of end it with the at least the, the shining part uh what ends up happening after um after Jack breaks out of the, the walk-in freezer, thanks to the help of the um, the ghosts, always tied to the ghosts, is um, is he goes on a, on a rampage, basically, with an axe. He does the, the axe scene with the door. Dick shows up, gets killed. Terrible, but his snowcat's running, and it's there. Really convenient. Jack chases his son, because his son is terrified, and he's aware that Dick has died because of the shining. So Jack chases him out into the frozen hedge, which is also the crazy hedge maze. Danny being quite clever because he knows his dad's kind of losing it right now and he ends up like kind of making him walk around in circles in this big old hedge maze and he's covering up his tracks so that way he's like he's, he's following footprints that go nowhere and it's incredible so so Danny ends up linking up with his mum once he escapes they get in the snowcat and they leave and uh poor Jack poor Jack is just uh stuck in the hedge maze it's it's, it's, it's a blizzard he's freezing he's he's just he's just suffering he's not able to do anything and he ends up sitting down and he just, he freezes to death. And you get that great iconic scene of just, he's all just frozen, just stuck in there. And it's, it's crazy. And uh, yeah, that's, that's essentially how it ends. I, I think, I mean, you gotta, I think we have to, we have to mention it. It's just, 
such a such a powerful scene such a it's, it's just it's just great and also important in dr sleep is that hedge maze it is very important especially the fact that it's all wintry that will come up again it's uh it's quite a quite an important aspect which is why i think it does deserve to be brought up and uh also the ghosts big part of the shining but at the same time very underplayed in some aspects but it's uh, i think it just helps add fuel to the fire without being the big fire itself about the overlook hotel and yet again the hotel is uh, it plays an important role in dr sleep which uh we'll uh, we'll talk about when we set up our next little meeting in just a couple of minutes we'll probably end this one here for the second and uh, i'm gonna go pee and then we'll uh link back up i'll let you start the next one and we'll uh reach out to me i'll start i'll start like 20 cool minutes here. about five minutes yeah, yeah. right mm -hmm. a bit that's what it was meant to be opening up with like uh, that that's what i meant i did leave it like that and then i had to fiddle about and did uh, i did leave it like that that's okay I had to fiddle about and get things cut in. <laughs> yeah 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 got Sorry. a cat here i've spilt my beer everywhere when i opened <laughs> my ipa all over the day all over the bloody well. Yeah. I seem to have lost me. Uh... Let's see. Oh, there we are. Yeah. So I'm just having. Your mum just finished making. I made a bit of tea as well. So. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A bit of uh, spinach, cream spinach dip. Oh, nice. Hmm. Hmm. Yep. Oh, that's right. I'm just gonna I need to just get another cloth to wipe the floor. Okay. All right.